Welcome to worship. Glad you've decided to join us today uh, in the house of the Lord. As always, reminder for guests, please fill out our tear-off portion in our bulletins. Put them in the offering plate as, you, as it goes by. We'll have a record of your attendance. Thank you for being with us. On the other side, the side of the yellow, is a time for prayer requests. So at the bottom there, if you have anything you'd like us to pray for, please put that in there. We'll pray for you at our staff meeting on Mondays, and uh, we're excited to do that each and every week. Several announcements today, so hang in there, and uh, we'll, we'll get through this. <clears throat> Good things. A lot is going on at Mechanicsville Baptist, so I'm excited about that. It's all positive. Uh, Caritas is starting uh, in end of September, so, so pretty soon. We are having sign-ups right now for Caritas. They would like your involvement. So I think in the back of the Family Life Center, in the back here, there's a place where you can sign up so that if you can help to be involved in Caritas in any capacity, they will get a hold of you and, and follow up with you on that. But we need lots of involvement. So please pray about your participation with our Caritas group this year. We are in the midst of our 40 days of prayer for our 40th anniversary. So there are sign-ups again in the back of each area to sign up to pray for each day for the 40 days. So you would take one day, and you would pray for our church's past and present and future, and then another person or family would pray for the next day. So we need still some places filled, from what I understand. So just go ahead and see what days are available, and just be mindful that on that day you will take your turn to pray for our 40th anniversary and for our church. So I think it's a wonderful way to get involved. Tonight at 5 o'clock is a town hall meeting, we're calling it, for our music search team right here in the sanctuary. So we would encourage you to come out at 5 o'clock tonight, meet in the sanctuary, and hear about uh, everything that's going on with that music search team and keep that in your prayers. All right, our big announcements. If you would take out the little insert that's in your bulletin, I will try to make this as clear and precise as I can. We have a new fall lineup, and uh, starting this Wednesday, if you turn to the Wednesday side, there's one side that's Wednesdays, the other side is Sundays at Mechanicsville Baptist. So if you turn to the Wednesday side, we are starting this Wednesday with these programs, and so next Sunday will be the Sunday start, not tonight, next Sunday. So I will, I will share quickly what these are, and then we have uh, flyers for two of them that we're going to have some of our, our leaders hand on your way out so you can learn more specifics about some of these programs as well. So this Wednesday, starting at 6 o'clock, we're actually going to start at 545. We're starting an Awanas club for children in our church and in the community. We're trying to make Wednesday night an outreach to the community so that we can draw families from Mechanicsville in and get them to be involved in our church. So Awanas is our new program. And it's going to go from 6 to 7.30 every Wednesday night, and it runs throughout the school year. The, the registration cost for Awanas is just $30. So if you have neighbors or friends who have heard about Awanas, we're doing that so that it pays for their vest and it pays for their Bible handbook for the entire year. It's a one-time registration fee that covers the entire school year. So really, cost is very minimal. If someone does have, if you have a neighbor that wants to be involved, but they just don't have $30 per kid, please let us know. We have money that would help registration for anyone. So it's going to go from pre-K through basically three-year-olds who are potty trained all the way through fifth graders. And we're going to meet every Wednesday from 6 to 7.30. Awanas 
is an opportunity for us to really connect and, and work on Bible memory and Bible study and outreach for our children. We're going to do a large group time, we're going to do small group times, and we're going to do recreation time each week. So a part of that, and this is a side announcement, is we are in the process of getting our culture changed a little bit so that we are going to pick up chairs after the early service every week from now on. So uh, if you go to the early service, uh, they're going to stack chairs, put them out so they have the gym available throughout the week and for the Awanas program. And then the goal is for this coming year, starting the new year, we're going to begin a recreation ministry, basketball and volleyball and different things. So the gym will already be free to be used for the community to come in and hopefully lead more people to be involved in our ministries here at Mechanicsville Baptist. So very exciting. So uh, I know Keith uh, Hare is, or Keith, Kevin Hare is um, starting up a chair team. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the people in the service stack up the chairs. Your job is just going to put the chairs back. So we're trying to get four teams, so you only have to do this once a month. If it's something you think you can be a part of, talk with Kevin. He would love your help. So we're just going to do once a month. You have to put the chairs back in, and then each Sunday morning we'll take them up and clear the gym. So it's very exciting, and that is the Awanas. It will be this brochure. We'll hand you one of these on the way out, describing all about the Awanas program for our children. The other thing is the Connect Groups. This is our adult Bible studies on Wednesday. Our goal on Wednesday night is that everyone in the church is involved in some capacity while you're here. So our fellowship meal is there as a blessing for families to not have to prepare a meal, and then they can be involved in the, in the ministries that are happening for that evening. So Connect Groups, we're starting with three groups every six weeks. So they're short-term Bible studies. If you have friends who might want to be involved, they're video-based. We're going to meet in the education wing here. And so you get a pick from one of the three studies, and you can, after your, your fellowship meal, come and join us for that. The first three studies we have are called uh, Uninvited, which is a lady study. All ladies are invited to come to that. Uh, the second one is Not a Fan, and... Uh, the third one is counterculture. We have Mary Kay Wynn, we have Becky Shermer, and we have Paula King right now, as well as some others who are facilitating these studies. So very exciting. We hope uh, to multiply our discipleship ministry through these connect groups, and then every six weeks there'll be three more added. And if you hear about a good one but you don't know which one to choose, we're going to be redoing them, and so you'll have opportunities to take the courses you had not taken before. We think this is a great way for you to invite friends as well. So Wednesday, starting this week, we've got three connect groups. You'll get this flyer right here. We'll describe the three studies, and any of them you want to uh, sign up for, you just come Wednesday night, and those three facilitators will help you get the material and all that. We're just charging $10 for each study, and again, if that cost is an issue, we can help with that, but it will give you the book or the study book for each of those studies. So that's this Wednesday night after Wednesday Night Fellowship. Uh, and then, real quick, I wanted to make mention on the back side, which is the Sunday side, not tonight, but next week, RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, and Children's Choir has not been done away with. We are just moving it to Sunday night so we can expand our children's programs. So RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, Children's Choir meets five to six on Sunday nights now. So make sure to spread the word of that. There'll be something for children both Sunday nights and Wednesday nights now as well. The other thing is we're going to start a teaching service, is how I describe it, for adults. So adults who are dropping off children, or if you just want to come to a, another Bible study, in the sanctuary starting next Sunday from 5 to 6, it's going to be called Encounter. 
We're going to have a short time of, of worship and then really have an interactive, in-depth Bible study teaching time right here in the sanctuary. So five to six, if you want to come out and grow in the Lord through, through his word, we're going to start that next Sunday night. I'm excited about that as well. And then we still have youth ministries as, as well on Sunday nights. So we have a lot going on, a lot of excitement. I, Tim and I were talking about everything is positive. You know, so there's going to be some changes and some, some cultural things that we have to adjust as far as getting chairs moved and gym cleared and, and getting set up for this. But God is, is, is really uh, working in this, and we're excited about how you can be more involved. So thank you very much. Let's, uh, we got two more announcements? Yeah, come on up. I think that's all I had for now. I just want to speak to the women for a moment. Perhaps you've seen it in the touchstone the last couple of weeks about women on mission. Well, I am trying to lead this year. It is a new experience, but I feel a calling from God to take on this responsibility. We met last month, and we meet again on Tuesday of this month. It's always the second Tuesday of each month at 10.30 till noon in the John Bryant classroom. So ladies of any age, if you are free, please come. We would love to have you and bring a friend. See you Tuesday. Good morning. Um, Hopefully most all of you have heard, but next Saturday morning, we're going to have a cleanup day here at the church. Okay, we're going to start at 8.30 in the morning, next Saturday morning. We're going to clean up the Family Life Center, the educational building, and hopefully the sanctuary, anything that we think needs to be done. The properties team met last Wednesday night, and they have compiled a list of things that they want to try to get accomplished. But with Caritas coming and with us celebrating their uh, 40th anniversary, we thought it was a good time to do some fall cleaning. So if you can be here next Saturday morning, we're going to start at 8.30. If you can't be here right at 8.30, come when you can. I'm sure we'll be here till 1 or 2 o'clock in the day. Um, but please, if you have some time, please be here next Sunday, I mean next Saturday morning, September 16th, starting at 8.30. And the other announcement I want to talk to you about is our anniversary. And uh, our theme has been with thanksgiving for the past, with joy in the present, and with hope for the future, Mechanicsville Baptist Church will celebrate its 40th anniversary on Saturday, October the 14th from 7 p.m. till 8.30 p.m. over in the Family Life Center. And we're going to have a tasting, a narrative video, uh, which will show some of our ministries that we've been involved in. And we'll have some music also provided by the Worship One Praise Band. And the nursery will be provided for that evening. And then on Sunday morning, October the 15th, we're going to only have one worship service that morning. We'll all meet here in the sanctuary at 11 o'clock, and we're going to have a guest speaker, Charles Morrison, which uh, you older members that have been here since 1977 and prior to that will know Charles Morrison. But he's agreed to be our guest speaker that Sunday morning, and I'm sure he will have a message that we don't want to miss. So please be here for that. We will also have a time to recognize some of our former staff that morning during the service. And nursery will also be provided by the child care center, not by our church membership that morning. Um, And we will have a catered lunch immediately following that worship service that Sunday morning. Okay, we have some ladies and people from other churches coming to provide us lunch for that day. The The anniversary team would love to see you and all your family 
and friends in attendance both Saturday evening and Sunday morning as we celebrate God's faithfulness to our church. Thank you. Good morning. Uh-oh. Wow, are you excited about everything that's coming down at Mechanicsville Baptist Church? If you are, say good morning like you mean it. Ready? Good morning. Oh, okay, I think you're there. God is truly good, and he has truly blessed us with great leadership, and I hope you really will pray about where God can use you, no matter how old, how young you are. Um, just pray that God will find you a spot, because I know he will. Okay, Colossians 3.11 says, Here, there is no Greek or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, no Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Would you say that with me? Christ is all in all. Would you turn in your hymnals to 143? Dwight's going to accompany us as we, I'd like you to stand and really praise God as you sing, you are my all in all. Would you stand with me, please? You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. I don't hear you sing louder. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. fall down you pick me up and dry you fill my cup you are my all your hymnals down and would you sing that chorus again and would you lift your voices and your eyes and your hands whatever you need to do really lift it up to our lord and savior who is our all in all okay give it all you've got okay jesus come on seated.
if you will take your hymnal in hand and turn to page 861 in the back, and we will be doing responsive reading number 27, Our Confidence in Christ. And if you notice, it starts with the worshipers. So Dwight will lead you to begin with, and then I will uh, do the worship leader part. 27, page 861. He himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. No one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid, that is, Jesus Christ. Keep your hymnal in hand and turn to hymn number 626. I love to tell the story. Will you stand as we sing? Tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it, more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. To tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in C- 
I sing the new, new song. Twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story. Twill be Good morning. How many here love Jesus? Raise your hand. Amen. And I want you to pray hard for the people in harm's way and Florida this coming week. I've got a couple of relatives down there, and they're batting down the hatches, and I'm worried about them, but uh, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father God, we thank you for the blessings of this day. We thank you for the enthusiasm that's in this building this morning on the new programs that's going to be taking place this week and following week. We ask you, Lord, to bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Our hearts and minds are certainly with the people in Texas as they continue to recover. We have a disaster response team uh, in Liberty, Texas this morning from the Baptist General Association of Virginia. Uh, They are there assisting as needed and uh, doing meals and whatever needs to be done at that time. Also, uh, just before coming up here, I checked in the uh, eye of Hurricane Irma passed over between Key West and uh, Marathon, Florida, a little while ago, about 9.15 this morning. So we certainly need to remember the people as they continue to deal with that up the coast of Florida. And I know that you want to pray for them. Uh, In the past, our church has been involved in disaster response and relief. And tomorrow is the anniversary, the 16th anniversary of 9-11. And uh, I ask those who were a part of of that disaster response team in the first service to stand. And if you were part of that disaster relief uh, effort uh, after 9-11, will you stand in this service so that we can see the number of people who were involved and we were appreciative of what you did then and thank you for your service. And we certainly, you all know, more so than uh, anyone who hasn't been before, what the people are having to deal with in Texas and what they're going to have to deal with in Florida Uh, in the coming days, weeks, and months. So we want to remember those people. Also, we lost a church member this past uh, Wednesday. Um, Nell Petticord passed away, and uh, she was involved in our children's program, our children's Sunday school, for four decades. And uh, we don't want to forget people like that. Um, And there will be a graveside service tomorrow at Signal Hill Memorial Park at noon. Uh, and then followed by a luncheon here. So if you um, are so inclined, I know that uh, they will need uh, food for that luncheon tomorrow, and uh, anything you bring certainly would be greatly appreciated. So I wanted to make you aware of that uh, as well. We did get that out in the um, online newsletter this week, but some of you may not have known that. Uh, Let's bow for prayer. Eternal God, as we bow in your presence, our hearts and minds are with the people in Texas and in Florida. No one knows the fear and the uncertainty until they experience it. We're thankful for those leaders who prepared the people as best as they could for this devastating storm. And we pray for safety until the storm passes. We are grateful, Father, that there are people who are willing to go, willing to place themselves in harm's way to help others who have great needs. We know the needs will be great, but we also know that you are a great God and you love and care in ways that we can't completely understand. And so we give these people to you and ask that your mercy be with them. We're thankful, Father, for this church and for the opportunities of service in this place, for the new ministry opportunities. I pray, Father, that you will prepare our hearts and our minds to take on roles of responsibility as we reach out in our Jerusalem. We're grateful for the leadership that has been provided and for those who were called who are willing to serve. 
We're thankful for Aaron and Danielle Fisher who were ordained in the first service this morning to our deacon ministry. We're thankful for their willingness to serve. And for all of our deacons as they willingly give of themselves to minister in this place. We pray, Father, for our Sunday school teachers and for all of those who prepare each week to teach so that we can spend time in your word. Because as we spend time in your word, we grow. We're thankful, Father, for the power of your love to overcome evil in the world. May we be your instruments as we serve you. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. For the last several months, I have been requesting that in our newsletter and online and the hard copy that uh, Acts 1-8 be placed underneath uh, my words with good reason in order to get us thinking about the purpose of the church. Uh, We come up with all kinds of mission statements and uh, ways of looking at what we do, but the purpose of the church is laid out for us clearly in Acts 1.8. And so we want to look at these verses this morning as we contemplate that. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he threw the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The book of Acts records the thrilling story of the growth and victories of the church triumphant. From a handful of 120 members in chapter 1, the infant church grew to 3,000 in chapter 2. And by chapter 5 of Acts, the church exploded to more than 5,000. In the face of persecution and martyrdom, the church in Acts continued to march on like a mighty army. The church's arch enemy, Saul of Tarsus, was conquered by the grace of God and became the church's greatest advocate. On three missionary journeys, this convert to the Christian faith established churches from one end of the Roman Empire to the other. For 15 years... It seems that wherever Paul placed his foot, a New Testament church sprang up. Antioch, Ephesus, Philippi, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, and even Rome itself. The church triumphant is the theme that echoes throughout the 28 chapters of Acts. The early church has much to teach us about who we are and what our purpose should be. This is the theme the church today needs to hear, that it might be challenged to become the church triumphant in our time. So let's briefly look at this passage of Scripture and tie in some of the others from Acts to see how the church made this happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. First, we see the purpose of the church triumphant. Immediately after summarizing the things said in his previous volume, Luke proceeds to set the tone for the present book and adds a few details about the ascension which he condensed previously. 
On the day of his ascension, the apostles asked a question which clearly indicated their misunderstanding of the nature of the promise. They assumed that the promise had something to do with the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. We see that very clearly in verse 6. They had never graduated beyond that understanding of what Messiah meant. The apostles during Jesus' earthly ministry shared with other Jews the hope in a descendant of David whom God would appoint as his Messiah and recover the national status of Judaism. Now that Jesus has been raised from the dead, their hopes came alive again. And they looked to Jesus to perform his vindication role as Messiah by establishing his authority over the nation Israel. When Jesus was unable to do for them in the normal manner of earthly Messiah, the apostles now expected Jesus to do something that he, because he had been resurrected. Christ knew that for the church to become the church triumphant, its marching orders must be clear. It's important for us to understand what our message is. Its purpose spelled out in such a manner so that no one can misunderstand. And so Jesus says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our purpose is clear. The marching orders we have are clear. The purpose of the church is without question. You shall be witnesses. To witness for Christ involves the power to do it. And Jesus understood this. And so Jesus promised his apostles that the Holy Spirit, the extension of God's personality within the community, was to be that power. They would receive the Holy Spirit shortly. And under the guidance of the Spirit, the apostles must move out with the gospel to all geographic areas. They had a purpose. And that purpose has not changed for the church today. We are to be witnesses. But what is the secret of this witnessing? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power is never obtained when pursued for itself. Power always goes with a commission. It came to the disciples at Pentecost. It comes to anyone wherever he or she squarely faces an undertaking that the church has for it to do. Churches often pray, O Lord, give us power and forget that an essential part of the answer is in their own hands. That answer is to tackle something definite for which they need power. You see, if we can do it all ourselves, if we think we have all the answers, if we conjure up what we want to do in our minds and then ask God to bless it, is that power from God? Have we listened to God or have we listened to ourselves? And what we want. If the disciples had had their way, they would have set Jesus up as the earthly Messiah. But Jesus said, wait. I'll give you something that will change your mind and your life and the lives of others. 
he gave them the subject of their witnessing. You shall be witnesses unto me. Throughout Acts, the person of Christ is central. Christ is the heart of the good news for a non-Christian world. Each person must encounter the living Christ. Jesus deliberately delineated the geographic scope of the apostles' ministry. They were to begin in Jerusalem and from there go to the outlying areas of Judea and Samaria where religion was more irregular. And from these areas they were to go to the end of the earth. We can't do that without the power of the Spirit. Paul said, I am determined to know nothing, anything about among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul understood what mattered. He understood that if you introduce people to Jesus Christ, you change their lives and empower them to witness to others. And He gave us the sphere of witnessing in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. The command of Jesus does not say specifically that the witnesses are sent to the Gentiles in the outlying areas though. One could interpret the mission as one to Jews only, though the picture of the early church in Acts shows a slow and reluctant desire to include the Gentiles in the fellowship. Luke certainly felt that Jesus' command pointed to them as well as to the Jews, and so did Paul. Paul made it crystal clear that the message of salvation was for all people. But it wasn't always easy. And it's not easy today. The early church was persecuted. The early church had its share of misery. And that persecution came from the outside as well as from the inside. Persecution came from the outside in the form of Herod the king. In verse 12 the scripture says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to harass or vex certain of the church. There is nothing novel about the statement. The Herods of the world have always hated the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. That ungodly monster who was the grandfather of this Herod had sought to destroy the infant Jesus. And now his worthy descendant sought to destroy the infant church. There's always been exterior pressure on the church because the message that we have changes people's lives. And that's the last thing that Satan and his evil would have us to do. Thus, right from the beginning, the church learned to cope with opposition and antagonists. The church learned not to fear greatly, no matter how strong the mighty Herods looked on his throne and how little and insignificant the church seemed to be. But because the Christians learned that there was power on their side fighting in them and through them, they knew they could conquer the mighty Herods because what did Jesus tell them? If you wait, you will receive power. The world understands power differently than Christ understood power. Power transforms lives. But notice the rest of the story in Acts chapter 12. Persecution came from hypercritical Christians. 
Certain earnest souls have apparently become convinced that the church is so encrusted with evil and so entangled with the world that it faces perilous times and is doomed to failure. They have ceased to hope. They have ceased to work. And it seems that they have ceased to pray that the church of Jesus Christ will become the church triumphant. If we listen to the world, the church doesn't have a chance. They have been so deceived that they believe there is nothing left to do but get outside the church and throw rocks at it. They feel that they must find some other institution or start an institution of their own to carry on the work of God. But separating Christianity from the church is an impossibility. Such a concept never existed in the minds of the early Christians. For the Lord added to the church daily such as should be or were being saved. There are also perplexities, things that perplex us in the church if we are going to be triumphant. As so often happens when the church was growing and the future was full of promise, problems arose from within its own fellowship. In those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring, it says, of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. This was only the beginning of the perplexities of the early church. On the first missionary journey, Mark deserted the party and returned home. Before the second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas had a falling out over Mark. And Luke records in Acts 15.39, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. They had a falling out, didn't they? Two things usually create all of the problems a church ever experiences. They are programs and people. A church with no program and no people would have no perplexities. But it wouldn't be the church. The perplexity comes because of programs. Imagine being a member of that little church back there that launched the revival on the day of Pentecost where so many souls were added. Suppose someone had made a motion like this in business meeting. I move that on Pentecost Day we launch a campaign to introduce the gospel of Christ to Jerusalem and that our goal be 3,000 converts in one day. I further move that following this we send out a missionary force that will affect the whole world. I can hear myself getting up or at least thinking it, and saying, now, now, I have a lot of faith. But there is no need in being presumptuous about this thing. I believe in the promise of God, and I think that in time we should give due consideration to carrying out Christ's great commission. But there is not any need for our being foolish enough to think we can do a wild and possible thing like that. Taking the gospel to the entire world, that's ridiculous. And I could have given a lot of reasons why we couldn't do it. More reasons then than now. That church didn't have a ghost of a chance. Its whole program was wrong. They simply relied. Now you know this is tongue in cheek. They simply relied on the power of the Spirit. And out from the power of the Spirit flowed what needed to happen. 
we can't do what we need to do as the church of Jesus Christ if we're unwilling to acknowledge that our power is not of ourselves. But there's also perplexity because of its people. They had 12 charter members. You know who they were, right? You can name them. All Galileans, obscure men except one. Apparently only one had standing in his hometown. And if you can believe it, it was probably Judas Iscariot. But since he was such an outstanding man and had come with such high references at the time, they elected him treasurer. And you know what a scoundrel he turned out to be. He was a thief. And not only was he a thief, he also betrayed the Lord. One-twelfth of those first followers, one-twelfth, was a betrayer and a thief. We have a better average than that, I hope. Now, the purpose of looking at the first century church in comparison with Christ's church today is this. I want to remind you that God has always had to do His work through weak, imperfect men and women. No hardships we have today are as great as those of the early church, yet they invaded their entire world with the gospel. Before a generation had passed away, not a city of importance in the Roman Empire had not been invaded by Christians and did not have its own church. How did they do it? How can we do it? With such persecution and perplexities now, can the church experience victory and truly become the church triumphant? Let's see how victory came to the early church. For victory comes to the church today in exactly the same way. We say we believe this word. And yet we believe it as we choose to believe it. We see power in the church In Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John had preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, Luke reports that many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was was about 5,000. This resulted in Peter and John being arrested and asked by the Sanhedrin, and you know the Sanhedrin, the very ones who tried Jesus at night, by what power, by what power, people understand power, don't they? By what power have you done this? The question is still asked by the church triumphant today. What is the power of the church? Where does our power come from? First, our power comes from prayer. Luke tells us that for ten days and nights before launching their crusade on Pentecost, the church prayed. And that made the difference. They prayed ten days and nights preached 30 minutes, and had 3,000 saved. We do it differently today. We preach 10 days and nights, pray 30 minutes, and have three saved. We must place the emphasis where the early church places it to experience the victories they experienced. They prayed. That's why we've asked you to pray for 40 days. Thanking God for the past of this church, but asking God for power for the future. There was power 
The power of personal involvement. When they launched the campaign, doubting Thomas, swearing Simon Peter, bad-tempered James and John, in spite of their weaknesses, were all there. Isn't that wonderful? The power of personal involvement is still required today. God does not require perfection. He requires faithfulness. We mix that up sometimes. And then there's the power of unity. They were all with one accord, the scripture says. That doesn't mean the members of the early church always agreed. We've already saw where that wasn't the case. But they did always love one another. They were united in Jesus Christ. Pagans would say, behold how those Christians love one another. You can love people without liking their ways. And then they had something that I think we've lost today. They had the power of joyous optimism. The early church knew that in spite of their small numbers, in spite of their lack of money, in spite of their personal limitations, they were going to win. And so they went out in joy, even in the midst of persecution. And that's the spirit in which we must win the victory today. If we are going to continue to be the church triumphant, Jesus said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We have a lot of people in the world today and in our churches that look at the glass half empty instead of half full. We have the power of God on our side. And yet we live as though the world dictates our terms. After Jesus ascended, the apostles kept gazing intently into heaven to get another glimpse of him. They were so mystified by him. Their amazement comes to an erupt end by an interruption from two angelic emissaries, the two men in white robes, presumably the same who told the women about Jesus' rec- resurrection, reprimand and give hope to the gloomy apostles. They assure the apostles that Jesus will return, but there is no sense in spending time gaping after wonders. With the last visible contact with Jesus comes to an end with the ascension, the disciples are ready to move. Though the apostles trusted the wisdom of Jesus, it must have been extremely difficult for them to understand why it was for their welfare that he must depart. Yet they were not as perturbed as they were at the crucifixion. Now they understood something that they didn't understand before. They understood that Jesus had the power of life and death. Accordingly, they could patiently await the next creative act of God. Wait, he says, for power. We must ask ourselves, how willing are we to do what God asks us to do? How willing are we to step out in faith and allow the power of the Spirit to give us what we need to do what is necessary to be witnesses for Christ? Because I will assure you that if you try to do it on your own, it won't happen. I struggle with it all the time. It only happens.
when we give ourselves to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to work in us what we cannot do ourselves. Jesus said if we had faith as a grain of mustard seed, we could move mountains, didn't he? And you know where that power comes from? Him. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod, the hymn goes. We are not divided, all one body. We, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Jesus said very clearly to us, and I say to you today, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. Our question for us today is, where is our Jerusalem, and how willing are we to go into our Jerusalem and be witnesses? Where is our Judea? Where is our Samaria? Where is our world? And when we identify those places, and we have to a degree, then we get the power to do what is necessary, those things that we think we can't do from the Spirit. And the Spirit changes lives. Let the Spirit change yours. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for the witness of the early church. We spend so much time on things that we fail to see what our mission truly is. Our mission is far bigger than we are. But praise be to your name that you give us power. May we do what you have called us to do. May we be witnesses beginning in our Jerusalem that is Mechanicsville. So that we can reach out further and further and further with the message of salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is number 470. Without him, truly what we have said today bears out this fact. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Remember who holds us, who commissions us. And who empowers us. And you and me can make a difference. Will you stand as we sing? Without him I could do nothing. Without him I surely fail Without him I would be drifting Like a ship without a sail Jesus, oh Jesus
Jesus. Do you know him today? Do not turn him away, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. Without him, how lost I would be. Without him, I would be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be hopeless. But with Jesus, thank God, I'm saved. Jesus, oh Jesus, Do you know him today? Do not turn him away. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. Thank you for making this service a part of your day. As we've gathered in the house of the Lord, it's always good to be here and to listen for a word from Him and a challenge from Him uh, each week. Um, at the race on Friday when I was there, I had a piece of paper, that I, a napkin that I'd placed in my pocket, and I put it downstairs on my desk from a woman by the name of Leanne Rice. That's her name. Wrote her name down. She's suffering with cancer. She's going through uh, lung cancer treatments, and she asked that our church pray for her. And you know, in the sermon today, I said that we we need to be praying. So I mentioned her name to you. Uh, She's from here in Virginia. She had come to be there where we work at the racetrack and had asked for prayer. And so I mentioned that name to you, and we'll add her to our list as well. So remember her uh, in your prayers this week. Uh, as well as others that we have mentioned uh, in your Sunday school hour. Thank you again for being a part of this service. Remember, next week, Burt Browning will be our guest speaker, and I trust that you will be here to support him uh, next Sunday with your presence and your enthusiasm. Uh, Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we depart today, keep us ever mindful It is by your mercy that we have been sustained to this very moment. It is by your grace that we are present in this place today. And it is by your love that we are being redeemed now and forevermore. Grant to us the grace of your peace and the power to be your witnesses in the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.